Sabbath. Thank you for this church family. Uh, we just ask that you to be with us together as we talk and as we learn. Um, we thank you for the, the way that you teach us, even though sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's not easy. We ask that you would continue to form us into that treasured possession that we just heard about. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. I've got a couple pictures to show you this morning. Um, all right. Some of you might know that uh, I have a, an appreciation for rocks. <laughs> At times in my life, my wife may have called that more of an obsession with rocks. Um, I think I've gotten help and it's under control now. But um, as, as probably um, most of you know, uh, rocks can be very pretty, can't they? Um, I'm just going to show you a few pictures this morning of some of them and, and talk about uh, really what I'd like to talk about. Oh, you know what? I have one thing I want to do. Linda, I'm going to start this with you. If you can pass this around. These are some little, little, sorry, I didn't bring any big ones because I don't really, I have one. <laughs> little crystals that we found in Montana. So these are for you. So I don't think I have enough for every individual, but maybe every family unit or... Um, just pick one and pass it around because then you can kind of look at it and think about it while we talk today. Um, those were some, some crystals that my uh, children helped us to find in Montana. I would, I would like both Caden and Uriah to get one though because I've been meaning to bring them crystals for the last six months. So um, anyway, what, so I'd like to show you a few pictures. Uh, but what I would, and, and there's really, I don't think, going to be any question that they're beautiful, but I'd like to think about for a minute how they got to be that beautiful. Because um, I know I've liked rocks for a long time. I've never really thought about um, what it took to, to make them pretty. So does anybody know what uh, kind of gemstone this is? These are crystals. Crystals. Mm -hmm. So this is a famous purple crystal called... Amethyst, all right. Amethyst. amethyst. So amethyst is a purple variety of quartz. So the little crystals that you're getting um, are quartz crystals. And amethyst is a, a purple. It comes in different colors, too. Quartz can be pink. It can be yellow, sometimes red. So, um, but when it's purple, we call it amethyst. Now, just out of curiosity, does anybody know how these form? I know that this is not a geology class, and I don't want to make it one. That would be very dry. But um, I was thinking about this while I was getting ready for this talk. Um, so basically, I don't either. <laughs> um, it's temperature. yeah, temperatures. Okay, good. Pressures. Time. Right. Okay. So for for amethyst specifically, um, temperatures uh, I'll tell you are not that high actually. Um, so amethyst tends to form in a circle. Um, so if you've seen a geode before, and I meant to bring one, but I forgot to, you have kind of a crusty outside that's not very pretty, and then you have a crystally inside that's usually gorgeous. And an amethyst forms that way, even though sometimes it's a big geode, like the size of a bathtub or bigger. You might have seen some of those from Brazil. So um, the temperatures are not actually that high because really you have this crusty stuff on the outside and then you have water with minerals on the inside that are forming the crystals. Um, but the crystals grow over time. 
So obviously the crust on the outside is formed from usually volcanic activity, which is very hot. Um, the crystals themselves grow during the cooling process, and it's around 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's warm, but not, not hot like really hot could be. But now time. Um, pressure also, not too much pressure, um, a little bit elevated pressure above atmospheric pressure. But time, any idea about how long people think? So I will say, nobody really knows, right? Um, crystals grow underground. Nobody's watching. <laughs> nobody's been there. But how long, do you, how long do you think geologists think it takes for these crystals to grow? What, what, one million years. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Good. So I'll say, I'll say for amethyst, um, they don't think quite la that long. They think maybe centuries. So centuries to maybe 1,000 or, or 5,000 years. So really relatively short. But you, know, you think about it, we look at it here, it's pretty, right? We just see something pretty. If you were lucky enough to dig it up out of the ground, it would just be there, right? It would just be there, something beautiful. But it had been growing for a long time. And I'll just show you here. This is probably the, the, the nicest thing that we found as rock hounds. But it's, a, it's actually a, an amethyst crystal. I'll let you look at this one, but I, Jedediah would be unhappy if I let you take it home. <laughs> but um, you can see when you look on it, on, one, on the short side, there's actually growth rings. And you can see that it was growing. And, and they didn't all completely um, finish growing. So, uh, when you think, when you look at that, think about, um, think about, you know, hundreds, maybe a thousand years. Yes, Dan. What do they grow from, and how do you know when they stop growing? Right. So um, I don't know the answer. Um, so well, basically, you have a crust that they somehow attach to, and then they start to grow in a way according to the minerals that are in the water. So when it's quartz, it's silicone and dioxide that is dissolved in water. And when it's amethyst, it's silicon dioxide with a little bit of iron. So iron gives it that pretty purple color. Um, and it's a gradual process. And you can see over a long time, with some elevated heat, 150 degrees is a little bit high. Um, so yeah, so that's amethyst. Sorry. OK, let's move on. OK, um, does anybody know what this is? Okay, Jedediah, I think you cheated and looked at my slides <laughs> last night. Is that what you said? <laughs> this is called tourmaline. Yes. It's pink? Oh, yeah. So it comes in lots of different colors. So actually, tourmaline is a word in Greek for many colors. So tourmaline comes in pink, it comes in green, it comes in kind of blue, it comes in multicolored. Uh, some of them look like watermelons with like green on the outside and pink on the inside. Um, so tourmaline, actually I have another tourmaline here. This is kind of a, what they would call a matrix form of tourmaline, where these crystals are all growing out of this base, which is called Clevelandite. You can see it's got pink, green, kind of white, maybe a little green, black down there. Um, and so these crystals actually grow very similar to quartz crystals, kind of a similar temperature, a little bit higher, maybe more like two or 300 degrees, probably similar time period. Um, they're actually found along with quartz. I don't know that, whoops, maybe, maybe this is a, yeah, that might be a quartz crystal there. Um, a lot of silicone as well, kind of made from the same things. Um, similar time, probably hundreds to thousand or so years um, is what people think. But, but aren't they pretty? I mean, you, you just think, um, and I'll just tell you, I've never found anything like this in the dirt. I'd love to, but I haven't. 
Um, but even just the little ones that we found when they come out of the dirt, they're just perfect. And they come out of the dirt that way. These crystals that I showed you, we didn't cut them. We didn't polish them. We just washed them off. Yes, Manny. Is that the same crystal they make the glasses with? Like so um, quartz. Quartz can be used for glasses, even though most of it's probably man-made. So crystal glasses that they sell, they do come from rock? They, um, I don't know about today. Originally, they did. Probably not this, but probably more um, just the, the quartz. Okay. There are very high grade qualities of quartz that are used for optic lenses and things like that. Um, I think now it's mostly man-made, but it's, it's the same oh, idea. And who names, who names those rocks or those crystals? Or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Them? Some geologist, yeah, probably. Okay. There are definitely many rocks named after people. Um, this one is named, it's a Greek word that it came from that means lots of colors. As you can see, there's lots of colors. Okay, that one's a little bit blurry, but anybody know what that is? It's, it looks like a ruby, but it's not a ruby. I'll tell you it's in the same family as this. Tourmaline. It kind of looks like tourmaline, but it's not. That one's emerald, yeah. And same family as this. Okay. So this one's called aquamarine, probably not as famous, but aquamarine. very aquamarine. Wow. This one is emerald, emerald. Uh, which you probably have heard of. Uh, and this one is actually called red barrel. So red barrel is actually a very famous form of barrel. So these are all barrel. Um, it's a very, formous, very famous form, um, mostly found in Utah. Um, it's actually rarer than diamond, diamonds. So there's not much of it. It's very unique. What is, what is it? um, it's called, this one's called red barrel. Wow. So red barrel. barrel. So these are all forms of, I mean, you, we could call this, barrel. we could call barrel. this green barrel. Green barrel. <laughs> we could call this blue barrel. Blue barrel. <laughs> but they have their own names too. Um, so, and actually on here I'll show you, there's, this is black tourmaline. So tourmaline also comes in black. Um, so anyway, just very pretty, right? Very beautiful. Again, how did it form? A lot of time. So when they would say more like thousands of years. Um, higher temperatures, maybe more like three, four hundred um, degrees. And, and just slowly, right? This, this liquid with heat and pressure and time is turning into something very beautiful. Whoop. All right, so I threw this one in here. This is not a family. It's a little bit of a trick. Sugar, Sugar cube. Oh, good, good guess. It's similar, but it's not topaz. Kind of a maple color, Right. So this is actually a, a, an example of a garnet. So many of you have probably heard of garnets. Garnets also come in different colors. This is a, a orange one. Something I should say about all of the, the crystals that I've shown you so far is their hardness is all about the same. Okay, when, when we talk about hardness, there's different ways, but the Mohs scale is the most common way. They're all about a seven on the Mohs scale. So they're pretty hard. And they're not quite hard enough to use in like industry, but they're pretty hard. Garnet, much the same. Okay, now, um, one more similar color. Topaz champagne. Yes, exactly. This is called champagne or sherry colored topaz. So this topaz also comes from Utah. It's probably one of the most famous locations for topaz. And um, topaz also, now speaking of hardness, topaz is a little harder than everything else um, that I've showed you. It's more like a Mohs scale of eight. eight. 
Um, also takes longer, forms at higher temperatures. Um, and a little bit more pressure. You know, I looked it up, but I didn't write it down. So I'm going to say six to 700 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so hotter, longer, still the same. Uh, you know, you can see the crystals are growing out. So it's forming in the same way, just a little bit different conditions. Topaz has a lot of aluminum in it. So it's one of the differences that changes the color. OK, now we're getting harder still. Does anybody know what this is? Corundum. What is what do we call red corundum? Corundum. It's a red corundum. <laughs> right. So this is a ruby. Um, it's actually a rough form of a ruby, even though when you cut them and shine them, they get a little bit prettier. Now rubies are are more like a Mohs hardness of nine, so they're they're actually twice as hard as topaz. Um, but okay, now going to the geologists again. I'm not I'm not making any origin of the Earth argument here, but geologists would say rubies and sapphires, which are in the same family, take about 200,000 years to form. Okay, a lot longer. They take more pressure too, and at higher temperatures, I think these temperatures are saying up to about 900 degrees Fahrenheit. So you just think about the time um, that they would say. Now I would say when you hear dates like that for a rock. Um, we could say, you know, nobody really knows how long the rocks of Earth were here before life came. Um, but anyway, a long time. Okay, and you probably have already guessed where I'm going with this. Um, that's kind of a funny picture, but that one's a little bit uh, clearer. So what are we looking at here? Diamond. A diamond. Diamond. Okay, so this is a diamond in the rough. Um, the hardest material known to man. The clearest, the purest the most um, precious uh, because of its strength and its character. Now, now, diamonds have a Mohs hardness of 10, which is actually four times harder than a Mohs scale of 9. A Mohs scale is a relative scale. Um, but it is the hardest material. Now, who wants to guess how long a geologist would say a diamond would take to form? 300 years. 300 years. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? You're right. I see your hand up. So, of course, nobody watched this happen, right? <laughs> um, but most geologists would say diamonds take anywhere from 500 million to a billion years to form. Yes, ma'am. But we can form them synthetically in a lab in like a day. Months. A day. Yeah, they can they can form synthetic diamonds very quick. Um, but, the net, but I think everybody else um, who does that would also agree that they are not the same diamond. They're similar, they're hard, they're abrasive, they, they're strong, but they are not the same as the diamond you dig out of the dirt. When you say about the temperature, how much temperature do they need? Okay, right. So diamonds. So what do you think the temperature is that diamonds form at? 2,000. I think you were looking at my notes. <laughs> so yes. Um, about 2,000, about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, the question is, when, you, when they say about the temperature, where do you find those things that if they're at that temperature, that's supposed to be real hot? Right. Or they're like real deep right. in the dirt? Exactly. Oh. So you're a very astute class. I'm very impressed. So diamonds, um, I didn't know this till I, again, thank you for the opportunity to prepare this talk. Um, they form at about 100 miles beneath the crust of the Earth. So they form deep in the earth where it's hotter, um, where obviously 
I think we probably know diamonds are formed out of pure carbon. So the same thing as charcoal, <laughs> um, even though geologists don't really, it's not charcoal. We use graphite when we make synthetic diamonds. But um, a lot of time, right? A lot of time, a lot of pressure. And so for pressure, you can imagine 100 feet down, you're kind of building the pressure as it goes. It's something like 3,000 pounds per square inch of pressure. Anyway, that's what makes a diamond, right? And we all know the beauty and the value of diamonds, don't we? We've seen it, we can share in it. So, um, is this talk just about rocks? Not exactly, even though I do like rocks. Um, I, I really wanted to, to just spend a few minutes and think about how this, what, what we can learn from the way these beautiful rocks form. Uh, and I'm going to start with a verse from Romans chapter 5 that I think probably many of you have heard before. But um, Romans 5 verses 1 through 5. And it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Basically, we've been saved by Jesus. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. You know, and I always thought that's kind of interesting that, you know, we've been saved, we rejoice, we thank God for the salvation that he's given to us. And we rejoice in our sufferings. You know, certainly as a child growing up, that didn't really make sense. You know, the, the first part of the thought didn't really logically lead me to the, the second part of the thought that, we're also going to enjoy, rejoice in our sufferings, but because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And I just think about this, you know, this process, how um, we don't just rejoice in the fact that God is love, that God is faithful and he has saved us. He sent Jesus to show us the way of life and salvation. Um, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, and there's a very good reason, and you can find this throughout the Bible. It's probably not a new thought to most of you today, but you know, our sufferings develop perseverance. And, and I think back, when I think about that transition, um, for some reason, I think of our first year in Malawi. It was a difficult year. We didn't know the country. I didn't know the medicine. Um, we had challenges where we were living. Um, every day <laughs> we were asking the question, um, what's the shortest amount of time a long-term missionary has stayed here? <laughs> um, because, you know, we're just kind of ready to go home. And I think we've all had some kind of experience like that, right? And sometimes we probably need to go home, and sometimes we don't. And those times when we don't and we persevere through those situations, what is it that happens? Well, it changes us. Right? We are different people because of that experience in Malawi. And I could think of lots of other experiences in life. Maybe uh, intern year of residency is another one that's hard, it's a lot of time. But you know, you, you persevere and you go through and, and something happens, we're changed. You know, it's kind of like those, those diamonds uh, 100 miles down that are getting that heat and that pressure. And something's happening even though it might be happening slowly. It might take a lot of time. So you, you have a, a suffering, and you persevere. And that leads to character, because now 
through that experience, God has changed us. And once you have the character, then what comes next? Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And, you know, you kind of look back and you say, well, that was a difficult experience, but, but we made it, right? We're here, we persevered, made it through that experience, and, and that gives us hope. Because how did we get through the experience? We got through the experience by trusting in God. We got through the experience by the support of those around us. Uh, it built our family. It built our strength um, that we have in each other. And so through this experience, um, God is changing us and he's giving us hope. And then we know that hope does not disappoint us because our hope in God is never disappointed. And he pours out his love into our heart through the Holy Spirit. We're kind of back to where we started from. But I think that Paul intentionally includes, really in this, you know, Romans chapter 5, just this beautiful um, chapter of, of the way God saves us and he loves us, this rejoicing in sufferings. And so um, I guess really what I would just suggest as um, we're going on the rock theme today is that when those times come in our life, our natural reaction is to not rejoice. Everybody kind of agree with me? Um, we don't tend to think about those things as opportunities for rejoicing. And yet we all have them, right? It's life in this earth is not, not ever free from those experiences that are difficult and suffering. And yet when by faith um, we read what God says in the Bible and his plan for us, we realize that we can rejoice in them. And so um, maybe you flip on over to Romans chapter 8. There's another verse that I think talks to a very similar point. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I've, I've liked this verse for a long time. You know, there's something going on. It's painful. It's suffering. You know, maybe it's illness. Um, our family's been very well acquainted with that. You know, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe, you know, maybe it's physical and you're just in pain. Whatever that is, um, or maybe it's, as probably Paul was even more acquainted with, maybe it's what other people are doing to you. Maybe it's persecution. Um, whatever the suffering and wherever it's coming from, Paul says, you can't even compare it with the glory that's coming. And, and when I think about that glory, I think about, again, our analogy to these jewels, right? These jewels are beautiful. They have glory. How long did it take for them to become beautiful? All of them took a very long time. I mean, 100 years is even the shortest ones. It's a very long time. And the ones that took longer than that, much longer. And so when we talk about perseverance, when we talk about the glory that will be revealed in us, when, when these things, really these unwanted things come into our life, we have the opportunity to take them to God and to embrace them and say, God, I know that I don't want this. I also know that you have promised that you can use this to build, to, to develop that glory in my life. And so we can end up rejoicing and thanking him for those. Uh, I wanted to share just a, a paragraph from Ellen White and Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, um, where she's talking about, uh, blessed are they that mourn. 
And she says here, the trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities and roughness from our character. They're hewing, squaring, and chiseling. They're burnishing and polishing. And I didn't really put pictures of polished diamonds, but they would shine even more than this one. Um, is a painful process. It is hard to be pressed down to the grinding wheel, but the stone is brought forth prepared to fill its place in the heavenly temple. Upon no useless material does the master bestow such careful, thorough work. Only his precious stones are polished after the similitude of a palace. And I guess that's the other thought that I would like to just kind of leave with you today. When this is happening, these experiences that are polishing us, uh, we have a choice to humbly submit as God works his way in our life and to accept them, to take them to him in prayer, to, you know, as um, Philippians says, to, to let our request be known, to thank him, and then in, experience his peace. Um, or we can turn away from God. I mean, trials and persecutions do cause people to turn away from God at times. And then they, they, they take themselves out of the master's hands, out of the polishing process. And I think probably, really, every day we, we all have decisions along those lines, whether we will um, submit to that process or take ourselves out of it. But if we submit to it, there's a bigger picture, right? Because this isn't just about us. Sometimes we think, this is all about my life, it's falling apart, things are terrible. And we all have days when, from a human perspective, we can legitimately feel that way. And yet, the, the good news, I think, for me, is that um, the polishing and burnishing, even as she was saying, even as Ellen White was saying in that passage, it wasn't just so that we shine really pretty, right? It was so that we could be part of a bigger structure. So that we could be part of God's temple, is what she says, part of a palace. Like, we're going to take these treasures, going to polish them up, going to fit them just right, make sure they shine purple or red or pink or brilliant like a diamond. And then God's going to build a house out of us. And I, I love that picture. Maybe if um, we could read Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Um, also probably a familiar verse, but uh, here Paul says... Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So we're in the family, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so when those, you know, sufferings, trials, persecutions, they come into our life, we take them to Jesus and we let him help us through them. We ask him to change us through them. We persevere. That builds our character. That gives us hope. Then we're ready to start becoming part of God's temple, right? Built on Jesus. I mean, you know, maybe you're shining purple here. You're on top of the cornerstone, you know? Have you ever thought about those visions of Jesus in the Old Testament? <laughs> it's beautiful. He's not just one color, right? He's like the rainbow of colors. You got sapphires and fire and gold. Um, but this idea that that beauty is being developed in us, but the beauty is being developed through trials and persecutions. Um, and, and I think it is each one of our privilege to, to grow together 
to be part of that temple. Because I think that is truly what God's temple is going to be. He doesn't really want a building built with, you know, concrete and rebar. He wants a building built out of us after he has polished and shined us up to, to be part of his, his temple. And maybe um, we can just conclude with a, a vision here that John had, which I think is a beautiful thing. We're reading in Revelation a few chapters earlier in Sabbath school, just skipping down to uh, chapter 21. And um, I love this vision. I'd just like to leave you with it as we conclude today. And uh, Revelation 21, verse 9, says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Okay, the wife of the lamb. Who is that? Who is God's bride? Okay, here it comes. It's us. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city. Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. So you kind of got the picture. This is a beautiful, huge city built on the twelve tribes of Israel. And then there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations. On them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb, much like we just read in Ephesians. Um, and then they measured the city. Um, and then uh, I'm going to skip on to verse 18. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. So I showed you a few of them. I didn't show you quite all 12 of them. But um, you'll recognize a few names here. The first foundation was Jasper. The second was Sapphire. The third, Chalcedony. The fourth was Emerald. We had an Emerald there. There's Emerald. Um, the fifth, Sardonyx. The sixth, Carnelian. The seventh, Chrysolite. The eighth, Beryl. These are all Beryl here. The ninth, Topaz. All right. The tenth, Chrysoprase, which I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's beautiful. The eleventh, Jacinth. And the twelfth, Amethyst. That's Amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I, I mean, that's going to be a spectacle to see, isn't it? Um, you just think about the beauty that God put in the natural world. But even more beautiful than that is going to be the spectacle of every tribe and nation and tongue that has been redeemed from the curse of sin through God's grace, even through the sufferings that have polished them to be a beautiful and fit stone to be part of his city that's going to shine forever and ever. And I would just challenge us, as, as those troubles come our way, which they cer certainly will, um, to, to support each other as a family, but also to submit ourselves and our care to God because he's doing something through those troubles. He is changing us. He is making us a stone for his temple where his spirit will live and shine through us forever. Let's pray.
Dear Lord, we thank you for using um, everything that comes our way. We ask for a patient and humble spirit that is willing to be polished and burnished, um, whether those are easy experiences or the, the difficult ones, which quite honestly we know come our way and probably change us more. We thank you that you're in charge of our salvation and our development. We ask that you would do your will in us as your family. In your name we pray. Amen.